for May 6th, 2019. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 566. A coal town boy who just wants to dance. Welcome to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Matt. Wait, no, that's wrong. It's the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Uh, the overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the internet, and as a bonus, we swear a lot less than they do on the TFT podcast. Those farting teetotalers over there on the TFT podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I am here with my good friends, Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello, Matthew. And Jordan. Hello, Jordan. I am not Pete Fenzel. No, <laughs> none of us is Pete Fenzel. Uh, Pete Fenzel is off dancing to songs that are almost certainly not the songs that we're going to be talking about in this episode. And I made a joke about the TFT podcast uh, at the beginning of this episode because that's the music, the, the currently dormant but, uh, but never defunct music podcast on Overthinking It. And we're going to be talking about some music today. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. We've got three uh, musicians, music aficionados, and musicologists um, all together here. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to dig, into, uh, to dig into some music, some music from the kids these days. So I want to preface our conversation with a quotation from the oracle of all popular culture, The Simpsons. And it is from a, uh, uh, it's from a classic episode of the Simpsons and Grandpa Simpson as a warn sounds a warning uh, to all future generations and and uh, we may hear it for ourselves tonight in this episode. Grandpa says, "I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it anymore, and what's it seems weird and scary. It'll happen to you." Just as a side note. Uh, I almost literally said the other day, hey, kids, get off my lawn, because my house (laughs) is near a middle school, and every morning around 8 and every afternoon around 3, the kids walk by, uh, walk by, and they go onto my lawn. And I'm concerned with what any, you know, middle-aged house dweller is concerned with, liability, These kids are going to take weird risks on my lawn, and I'm going to get sued. So, kids, get off my lawn. I I mentioned that because uh, this might have made us feel old. What we decided to do, uh, and I think, Jordan, I think this was your suggestion. We decided to take the current Billboard Hot 100, the top 100 singles by, you know, whatever radio airplay sales streaming equivalents, whatever black magic they use to produce that chart, and to listen to the first 10 of them. Uh, at an average of three minutes, it's about half an hour of music. And then we added another Ariana Grande song, which was number 14, just because uh, we had to, because its title was Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored. And how do you say no to that? So 11 songs, 33 minutes of music, one podcast. It's the Overthinking It podcast. All right. So uh, here are the songs. There's no way to do this. This is just a catalog. So... Uh, so, you know, settle in. Oh, wait, it's not, uh, I need to click over to Billboard because the, um, 
the uh, Spotify cuts off the names of the the artists. So uh, number one, Old Town Road, uh, Lil Nas uh, X featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. Um, number two, Wow, Post Malone. Number three, Sunflower from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Post Malone and Sway Lee. Number four, Seven Rings by Julie Andrews. I'm sorry, Ariana Grande. Number five, Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. Number six, Without Me by Halsey. Uh, Number seven, Dancing with a Stranger, Sam Smith and Normani. Number eight, Talk by Khalid. Number nine, Bad Guy by Billy Eliash. Uh, number 10, Middle Child, J. Cole. And then number 14, Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored, also by Ms. Grande. And uh, and so those those are the songs. Now, um, in... In a world where pop music is, you know, whatever whatever its artistic merits may be, and whatever the kind of the the creative impetus that the songwriters and the performers, uh, the interpreters, the recording artists may feel as you know as they are practicing their their art and their craft, um, where pop music exists to sell records to be popular. I mean, it says so on the tin, you know. In that world. Well, one of the functions of this must be to make you happy, to give pleasure, to make you like it so that it will be popular, right? And, you know, things are popular because a lot of people uh, like them. So let's just go around the horn and say, uh, just answer, you know, in a, in a short, you know, five-paragraph essay, like a, like a 10th grade length uh, five-paragraph essay uh, with a thesis statement at the beginning of the introduction paragraph and uh, a, a first sentence that's along the line of, since the dawn of time, mankind has struggled with questions of divinity. Uh, did you like this music? Mark, what do you think? I liked some of it. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to the specifics in a moment, but I will say in a, in a, paint with a broad brush the current sound that is very much in vogue uh which is i would characterize as trap beat with hybrid singing rap i do not like it i find it alienating i find it boring frankly um and it's just not my thing right is it popular are the kids into it these days sure and can it provide them pleasure absolutely i will not take that away from anyone at all but it's not my cup of tea that being said uh old town road actually fits that um description song rap plus trap beat and i like that song a lot because i think like the vocal delivery um is interesting and to say nothing at all of the the fascinating backstory the meta narrative going on uh with the song um but yeah I, i this is this is not music for me that is very very clear the other thing as well that i'll add uh, just sort of by painting with a broad brush here, uh, a couple other things. One is is that there are, uh, I think, a couple of fairly unremarkable, straightforward, sung, mid-tempo, ballady type of things that I wasn't into. Uh, the only rock song, and, and, and long-time listeners just will know that I'm a, a long-time aficionado of rock music and guitar music and that sort of thing. That's the only one song that comes closest to being a quote-unquote rock song is the Jonas Brothers song that has this, like, interesting but ultimately to me not particularly pleasurable like heavily processed guitar thing going on um so yeah music is not this music is not for me but uh, i did provide get some some kicks out of it yeah now that's not what i call music 
<laughs> volume 29. Yeah, exactly. Volume 2019. Uh, Jordan, um, was this, uh, was this popular music popular with you? Webster's intercollegiate <laughs> dictionary defines yes. like as, <laughs> oh man, uh, that takes me back. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that I, I scored about a 20 on the uh, the Am I Hip quiz uh, out of 100 possible points. Uh-huh. There were maybe two songs that I legitimately enjoyed, and then the rest of it was uh, left me pretty cold. I feel like Mark's description of what is the hip style right now is very, very accurate. And I feel like, again, it's, it's not that I can say that there's anything wrong with it, but just whenever I hear a song like that, I, I don't tend to like it very much. But there were some that I thought were good. Uh, and uh, there were some interesting patterns in how that kind of cashed out. I also think it would be interesting, maybe, Mark, for you and me in particular, to try to figure out, like, what would be a really good example of that style? Can we can we recognize that when we see it? But maybe we'll leave that for later in the podcast. Mm. That's interesting. I Yeah, I too, a lot of it didn't speak to me. I feel like it's not for me, you know? So I feel like I'm... Uh, I feel like I'm a dad at a, you know, taking my 13, 14 year old kid to a rock show. Uh, and I'm standing in the back of the room at the bar where I can't see the stage and don't really care uh, and tolerating and, you know, maybe appreciating, but not really uh, feeling into um, a lot of the music that that you know, that I, that I was hearing. I mean, the, the almost universal lack of melody and the one good melody wasn't even a, uh, wasn't even an original melody. Um, it was my favorite things, uh, that, you know, is like you, you, it's like a, a four legged stool with one of the legs kicked out, you know, it's, it's, it's just not as, as stable. Um, worse it's like a three-legged stool with one of the the legs kicked out it's it just doesn't um i don't know it's not it doesn't fire in all cylinders just a mixed metaphors for for what for what a song uh can can possibly do all right but let's um but but uh what what how far how far down the list did you have to go until you found something you liked mark it sounds like your number one was old town road which you were uh which you were into at least as a curiosity yeah i mean if we're talking about down the list like i don't know which direction right going from 10 to 1 um i actually found bad guy by billy Eilish. i'm not quite sure how to pronounce her last name uh, at least like sonically interesting um, yeah. it, it also was like one of the few songs that had a notable sort of like, uh, for lack of a better word, a B section or a C section, right? Like it, it changed notably beyond just like, again, that very like drone-ish quality of the trap beat thing or, okay, sure. Like they'll drop the beat in, but for the most part, like, you know, the rhythm and the harmony and the vocal and, and the melodic styling remains the same. Bad guy had like an interesting, well, it was a trap break, but at least it was a break at the end. Um, so like there was that, that was a, a, a standout for me. And then beyond that, um, uh, old town road, I'd say. Do you want to, do you want to take a minute and talk about both of those songs in a little more detail? Oh, sure. Uh, is, that, is that a good way to, to turn this? Yeah. I mean, or like, do we, and, and then maybe we'll each like take our turns, like saying what, what else we liked. Yeah. Any, any structure that we can find that is not just a forced march down the, you know, down the thing. I said Ellie-ish. I don't know. I actually don't know who this person is, so I'm going to go to the Wikipedia mobile. But what, uh, what did you find interesting uh, about Bad Guy, Jordan? 
I, I mean, I feel like uh, like like Billy Elliot. You know, coal town boy who just wants to dance uh-huh. uh, uh, is. I think that she uh, is a a keen student, actually, of Missy Elliott. In that, it's like it's a good pop song. It has sort of nice, strong pop music bones, good chord progressions, and so on. Uh, and yet, there's lots of oh, this weirdness. song, that song, bones. <laughs> oh, for sure, right? <laughs> Sorry, uh, a little bit, a little too TFT for us, I yeah. guess. So, so there's there's some kind of structure that you can uh, you can hang it on, but there's these moments where like the the microphone placement and the sound of the voice change really dramatically. When occasionally she's just like, "Duh," very close to the mic, uh, and and there's that sort of it takes this hard right turn right at the end and turns into a trap song, and there's all kinds of things in it like that. I, I kind of wish we had Fenzel on this podcast actually because you know. Uh, Peter is a friend to all of us and has many very, very good opinions, and he's a very smart guy. He also, for reasons that I do not understand, dislikes Missy Elliott intensely. And his complaint about Missy Elliott is that, precisely this, that she does stuff in the music that is weird. And I feel like Pete always feels manipulated by this, that it was like, oh, they threw in that backwards verse because that makes it stand out from all the other songs, and that means that people remember it, and that means that without really thinking about it, they ask for it. It gets to be popular without actually being good. And my answer to this was always, yes, she's manipulating us by making these sonic choices. Music manipulates us by its very nature. If it wasn't manipulating us, it would be, you know, something that only dogs can hear or something like that. <laughs> so I found all of the, all of the strangenessness in that song uh, really, really pleasant. And it really made it stand out from the pack. You know, it, it did the job. Can I ask, add something that very basic that makes the song stand out from the pack is its tempo. This one was actually upbeat, kind of like a do, 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 three, four, rather than that, that just like very plodding trap beat. Boom, chica, 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 I didn't say uh, this during my, my thing, but I left my homework to the very last minute, which was always my practice do with the TFT podcast as well. Uh, and I was grateful it was only 30 minutes so I could get in a few listens. Um, but I took it on a, on a run. I took it uh, on about a, I don't know, a six mile run. So I got a, most of the way through two listens of this, of this whole playlist. And my main complaint was that the BPM of these songs was about, 20 beats per minute short of optimal for my running cadence. And I found it really difficult, guys. I found it really difficult to maintain the pace that I wanted uh, for my hill run when, you know, the, the, we're, we were talking about a, like a 130 sort of range rather than a 155 sort of range. And like, you know, where, where are the bangers that I can uh, get my miles in? You know, that's, that's, uh, that's my main complaint here. This music is not for us, right? The, 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 the elder millennials who need to go out for a jog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're a teenager, um, yeah, when you're a teenager, you don't need to go to a jog. All right. So here's a little bit about about Billie Eilish. Uh, born 2001, so she can go and so so that this song is not appropriate, and she should go, her her curfew. She's grounded. Um, 
and uh, from from Los Angeles and has parents in the uh, entertainment industry homeschooled her whole her whole life so it seems like uh, and cites Lana Del Rey as a big influence according to uh, according to the Oracle um, of Wikipedia so I, I just I offer all of those things as uh, I offer all of those things. And uh, when I was 17, I didn't need to go for a jog to stay in shape either. I, I just ate three cheeseburgers every day and, uh, you know, woke up with six-pack abs. And that was, um, that was completely wasted on me at the time. I'm sorry, Mark. I feel like I, uh, I interrupted you. But uh, these, these things make me angry. Well, that's, that was the, my simple point, was that the song is fast and everything else is slow. Um, something else notable, and I'll uh, use this as a segue to talk some smack about Ariana Grande's song, Seven Rings, um, which is that this song um, was kind of top of the heap in terms of pleasant blend of melody and harmony. Matt, you talked earlier about how most of the songs are heavily lacking in interesting melody. Um, nearly all of them are lacking in interesting harmony, by which I'm talking about like chords, chord progressions, um, things of that nature. Um and, and that's again, that's like this highly repetitive plodding nature of the rest of these where, you know, it's got um, you've got your beat and it lays down a chord progression and it just sticks with it over and over and over again. Um, that, by the mo- for the most part, is applies to uh, this song, Bad Guy. Um, but at, at the very least, hey, it's got a it's got a five in a minor key of a major major five in a minor in a minor key. Right. Um, and then, like, you know, a lot of heavy stacked um harmonized vocals um that are uh if nothing just nothing if nothing if not interesting to listen to so um i i want to use that as a way to to talk about the the ariana grandy song um which heavily quotes i don't know samples is the right word it doesn't sample it quotes um these are a few of my favorite things um of course by rogers hammerstein from the sound of music um and it, it quotes it only loosely, right? Because it 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 gives you that kind of raindrops on roses and da 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 da. Um, it's recognizable as it, but it strips out a lot of the wonderful chord changes um, at the end of that a part. Um, that makes that song such a pleasure and just like a gem, and has none of the the B or the C parts of that song either. Um, so that I just wanted to use that as an opportunity to to, to talk about harmony. For just a second, do you guys have anything else to say? Think about interesting about Seven Rings. I feel like Seven Rings is a really interesting one. Uh, do you want to talk about harmony more before we go? My my like my point about it is more sociological than musical, I suppose. So before I change the subject, do you have anything further to add on the musical side of it? Um, okay, one other thing on the musical side of it for Seven Rings is that, to its credit, like we're we're talking about things that like interest us, and again. You know, this is not to take away from the pleasure that other people are getting from this. Um, this is us and what interests us, right? Um, harmonically, um, not interesting. Melodically, well, kind of interesting, I guess, in a little bit. Um, but rhythmically, right? This has like the switch from the three four into the four four trap section, and so it gets some points, interest points in uh, in that respect for me. Yeah, when the chorus kicks in, you can start to run to it, right? Mm, a bit, yeah. Uh, you can run the speed that I run, which is not fast. Uh, so what I think is interesting about it, like what, what makes me sit up and take notice about that one has to do with that quote from The Sound of Music, because the the lyrics are not quoted. The lyrics are are changed. And of course, it's uh, it's radically different because the point is that all of um, 
all of her favorite things are in in the musical version are utterly homely and homespun and largely free, you know, raindrops on roses. I mean, you just go outside, you get the raindrops on roses, bright copper kettles. I suppose you need to polish it, but it's copper is not a particularly expensive kind of metal, uh, brown paper packages tied up with string. Like, honestly, if you come to my birthday party and give me a brown paper package tied up with string at this stage in my life, I'm a little offended that you didn't spring for the <laughs> gift bag and the Hallmark card. <laughs> Whereas, uh, whereas Grandy's version of it uh, is breakfast at Tiffany's and bottles of bubbles, girls with tattoos who like getting in trouble, lashes and diamonds, ATM machines, buy myself all of my favorite things. Uh, and I think that it would be missing the point entirely to suggest that uh, that this is because o tempora o mores, the youth today are all about glitz and glamour and they don't understand the simple pleasures of a brown paper package. Because, of course, the, the first version of that song came out of musicals, and musicals are an American genre that is all about massive splendor. Like, you go to see that in a Broadway theater, and yeah, the character is this simple... Uh, uh, simple person who likes simple things, but in that you have bought a ticket for a musical, you are not that, and you're going to see a whole chorus of dancers and people singing and elaborate costumes of various kinds. You know, there's nobility running around in other scenes in that plot, so it takes a like a genre which is largely fancy and in this one moment has somebody pretend that they're not fancy and then kind of turns it around and makes it so that no, the lyrics are about, uh, about materialism and wealth and fanciness. And then the video like cranks that up to such an absurd degree that it like, it has to be read as camp. And of course, musicals are campy in themselves. So I feel like, like it's engagement with that older song is actually a really interesting one. Mm. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that I would go listen to it again on purpose, but I'm really glad to have listened to it once. Yeah, the the it's it's interesting the materialism, right? Like the the um, breakfast at Tiffany's and bottles of bubbles. Um, though, though I think breakfast at Tiffany's, like in uh, the film Breakfast at Tiffany's, Breakfast at Tiffany's means like eating a crawler <laughs> from a paper bag <laughs> outside of Tiffany's. Uh, you know, yeah. So you don't like, get to have the diamonds; you get to look at them and eat uh, eat a pastry. Right, exactly. And that's like, I, so this, you know, you keep using this phrase, Breakfast at Tiffany's. I do not think it means what you think <laughs> it means. But uh, you know, the association with Tiffany's and their the you know idea of sort of opulence, bottles of bubbles. Um, lashes, diamonds, ATM machines. It's, I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting combination of high and low, but the, the common thread is sort of ostentation, ostentatiousness, uh, and, um, uh, wealth, you know, and like, like kind of materialism. Um, by myself, all of my favorite things. But the, the, later in that first verse, it's, uh, rather be tied up with calls and not strings, write my own checks like I write what I sing. And so there's kind of an identity identification between um, a certain kind of realness, right? Writing my own uh, 
writing my own songs, uh, writing my own lyrics, and not you know not having a bunch of songwriters who do uh, who do my work for me, and uh, economic agency and kind of control over one's own economic. Uh, destiny, not being beholden to a, not being beholden to a manager, being you know a sort of uh, uh, being my own manager, owning myself, not being tied up with strings, being tied up with calls because I am so, um, you know, uh, because I am so important. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing. I think it's kind of a false consciousness about the way. Um, the way capitalism actually works, but, but seeing oneself as an economic agent with control over capital and control over expression and seeing those things as linked, um, is at least an interesting, you know, is at least an interesting perspective, right? At least it goes like half a level or a full level beyond, uh, you know, what, um, the the regular kind of materialistic catalog that uh, that you can get in in a lot of pop songs. I'd also say there's something really interesting about the way that it goes from lists of objects in the verses to kind of a. Um, a description of the action of purchasing them in the choruses with I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. It isn't defined at that point. It's just sort of the the object of desire. And it's kind of like compare this to one of those, uh, you know, any, any serious American drama from, say, the 1940s through the early 1970s, where there's some character that really wants like a big blue Studebaker with the fins or something like that. And we're meant to recognize the inherent shallowness of their character because they've been bought into the whole capitalist dream. And they think that owning this object is going to give their life meaning, but really it never will. If they had the car, they would be like a, a dog that chased its own tail and caught it and they wouldn't know how to proceed. Whereas what, uh, what Grandy is saying here is like, you know, all of the stuff that I'm listing so fast that you can't fixate on any one of the things that I've listed for more than half a second. None of that matters. What matters is that I have the power to see things, desire them, and sate that desire instantaneously. And therefore, I never have to languish in desire. Like, I'm, I'm so rich that I can take these actions. The objects that I'm taking the action on actually fall away and in the final analysis don't matter so they, they've like they've already done that layer of meaning that making the material objects meaningless for you and you have to follow the analysis like deeper if you want to if you want to say that she doesn't understand what money is about i think for another i mean for another much more jaundiced look at that look at uh glenn gary glenn ross right and the uh the film version that has the alec baldwin speech in it um where he says a i d a attention interest decision action and and that actually maps perfectly onto i see it i like it i want it i got it <laughs> right and yeah. the the view in glenn gary glenn ross i mean what what is revealed in glenn gary glenn ross is that it's all junk it's all swampland in florida right and every it like your 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 tiffany bracelet uh your wristwatch your lashes and diamonds atm machines your bottles of bubbles it's all worthless swampland in florida right and the the um 
the uh, the artistry, at least this uh, this is in the Glenn Gary Glenn Ross view. The only thing, you know, approaching beauty is the the eng- ingenuity of the men who make the cons, you know, who actually do who do this like rapid fire uh, rapid fire dialogue, and that's what that that beautiful Ricky Roma scene, that monologue in the first act of Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is where he sells another guy on uh uh worthless piece of property um it's uh it's done by al pacino in the movie and it's beautiful i mean and it's a thing of beauty it's a seduction it's it's wonderful but i just sort of like i like how it's sort of flipped here where like at a certain level of wealth it all the the whole system the whole like uh the whole circuitry that makes this process possible this like marketing funnel possible is sort of short-circuited and uh the the electricity just flows yeah the uh the fantasy that's being presented here is that you are so rich and so confident in yourself that uh that you become unconnable because what does it what does it mean for them for Ricky Roma to have conned you? He feels like he put one over on you, but you've got so much money that it really doesn't matter, and you got more joy out of satisfying your impulse there in the moment and like buying into his con than he's going to get over gloating over the con for the next five weeks and driving around in his, you know, only one Cadillac or something like that, Cadillac whereas you have 12. El Dorado. Second exactly that. is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Hey, can we switch back quickly back to bad guy? Because I, you know, I want to talk. It's funny on TFT we talk almost exclusively about lyrics because that's our our competency. And and since we have musicians here, we're we're going to get into like beats and harmonies and melodies and rhythms and things like that. But um, Bad Guy was interesting to me, not just for the reasons that we, we talked about sort of sonically, um, but all, and uh, the tempo. It was good. It was a good, good song to run to. So uh, thanks. Um, but uh, also because there's a difference between being a bad guy and being a bad girl. Right. And a lot of the things she talks about are like, I'm a bad girl, but the song is bad guy. And that's, uh, I think that's an important distinction um, that is kind of not unrelated to uh, uh, Miss Grande's um, kind of uh, assertion of, of confidence and wealth here, right? Being, being a, a bad girl is sort of playing a role, playing a sort of misogynistic stereotype, you know? Um, even though you know there are in in music some people who try to kind of own it and subvert it and and reclaim it um still it's you know its origin is in this uh is sort of in this virgin whore dichotomy um and being a bad guy is something different right like being being a bad guy is is like a, a cosmic force of narrative you know that that uh it's it's about um, being an artist of oneself, right? Rather than uh, uh, it's about having sort of the choice to kind of choose one's own identity, which is a different kind of power fantasy for adolescents, and not just for adolescents, I guess. But being a a, a, 
uh, bad guy um, who is, uh, you know, provocative and sexually adventurous and um, in control uh, is, you know, is a different uh, is a different thing than than being a bad girl just because the song is a little explicit or is suggestive, I should say. Do you think that there is a meaningful difference to be made between being a bad boy and being a bad guy? Yeah, I mean, I think bad guy, I think bad guy, the way I'm reading bad guy is like good guy versus bad guy is like protagonist versus antagonist. Uh, yeah. in, I don't in feel America. like you were saying that bad guy was like, oh, you're sexually adventurous, but I feel like bad guy is more, uh, is not really like that. I feel like it's, it's more on a more on a villain versus hero spectrum rather than a like naughty versus nice spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. I think like, but she's, she is kind of appearing to be playing one game, but she's actually playing a different game is, is, you know, the, the sense I get about the lyrics of this song. And there is something weird about like a bad guy is not the way that you would typically describe an actual historical villain. It's much more somebody in in a play or uh, when you're playing as kids or uh, or in, in conversation, the way that people actually use it most often is to say it's like, oh, now somehow I'm the bad guy. So it's about assigning this narrative role. Uh, and uh, it, it would it would sort of seem to me that uh, someone who just is an evil person, but thinks of themselves as being a good person is not the bad guy. So that like, yeah, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer is not a bad guy, but Milton Satan is a bad guy. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the, and the difference, well, I mean, the difference is that one is real and did horrible things. And one is just a kind of, uh, fantasy object on which we, we sort of project horrible things. Right. But the- oh, I mean, that's, that's a bad example then. So like, uh, maybe, maybe we could say that, the um i'm having a hard time thinking of a really good fictional example for this somebody who just like thinks of themselves as a hero but is evil maybe maybe Humbert, like richard the third i mean Humbert, maybe. Humbert. sure yeah yeah he, like Humbert Humbert isn't saying like now i shall do something that will outrage all the assembled company Mwahahaha, right he has an excuse for everything and thinks that thinks of himself as the victim rather than as the uh the doer of evil right um yeah and and i mean a lot of that has to do with the him being the first person narrator of of that novel but like uh, yeah. Whereas, whereas Milton Satan, which is kind of told from, from a third person is that, I mean, they're both, they're both roles, right? They're both, um, sort of, uh, you know, like evil woman versus like fallen woman or something versus like antagonist, you know, hero villain, uh, is a, they're both kind of roles that can be assumed right in an era and a genre of performative identity. But the idea that like the idea that, um, that she would choose one and not the other struck me as interesting. And that like, um, that uh she kind of 
contrasted in the chorus. So you're a tough guy, like a real rough guy, just can't get enough guy, chest always so puffed guy. So this is like uh, an overconfident, you know, uh, bragging, um, you know, macho guy, but like puffed, not, you know, the chest is puffed. It's not, you know, swole or something, you know? Uh, and, uh, what, what is puffed can be unpuffed, right? What is puffed can be deflated. Um, her, by contrast, she is that bad type, make your mama sad type, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then the, the lyric is, um, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. Uh, and not, I'm a bad guy. I'm the bad guy. Like I'm, I am your villain. I'm, I am the sort of, um, antagonist in, in your story, which is not, you know, you think of like someone you, you have in a relationship or you have as a a flirtation or a sexual partner or something like that. You don't think of that person as an antagonist, at least not ideally. Um, but that, you know, putting that in is, uh, putting that in those terms, I, you know, I thought was interesting to me. And the various kind of sonic assaults that the song comes with then fit in nicely with the lyrics. So all of that strangeness again, the, uh, the way that on the, on the bad guy, the voice slows down a little. So it's like bad guy or the way that, uh, you, you hear that duh in kind of a different voice. That's much closer to the microphone, uh, that fits in with the idea that this character that she's portraying is a menace to you somehow and is going to be constantly pushing you off your guard mm. um still no melody in this song though yeah. um, well you know what you know what does have a melody is old town road should we talk about that yeah, for let's, a bit? let's mm. uh let's let's do that mark you you uh uh said that this was the song that you liked most of all so why don't you die why don't you bring us into it Sure. Um, a very, very brief history of the song and why it's so prominent. Uh, I'll, I'll provide that and also include a link to a, a whole podcast uh, uh, that Vox uh, released a, a, a few weeks ago that goes into great detail on all this. So Old Town Road is by the artist, uh, originally by the artist Lil Nas X, who is um, African-American, um, labeled it as country on SoundCloud, like it was heretofore unknown. Um, was got some play there, um, became huge on TikTok, the new viral video social media app thing, which, again, is not for us. It's very much for young people. Um, made it onto the country billboard charts. Um, billboard, because they are the gatekeepers for this sort of thing, decided that the song was not country, did not meet the criteria for country, booted it off the country chart, um, only to give it more notoriety and eventually and here it is the number one on the billboard hot 100 and you know also on the billboard pop chart as well um meanwhile at contemporaneous to all this happening bill ray cyrus picks up on the song enjoys it a lot he has bonafide country credentials um that's code for saying that he's white um and records this remix of old town road <laughs> I mean, um, Billy Ray Cyrus has more country credentials than just any random white guy. But yes, in, in essence, that again, is. Yes, yes, yes. That is, that is <laughs> more than say, you, Jordan Stokes. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Slightly more than me. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's like kind of the, the, the meta narrative. And that. That's like loaded with all sorts of like interesting political and, and, uh, and, and cultural stuff there. Again, go listen to the podcast, uh, the other podcast that uh, we linked to for more on that. Um, as for the merits of the song itself... Um, there is, uh, this, the, the, as we said before, like the melody, um, is, is very catchy 
here. I'd say like, you know, much catcher than uh, than the average, certainly in the sample of top 10 here. It does have the plotting trap beat um, so that, you know, that in and of itself is not particularly interesting. Um, a big selling point for the song for me, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, is the little plunky string thing going on that provides the beat and the harmonic uh, scaffolding for the song. Now, a little bit of history in this, and again, I learned this from the other podcast that I've been talking about. It's originally from a Nine Inch Nails song that you actually have probably heard if you listen to This American Life. What? It's one of the weird little things that they put on there. Uh, Nine Inch Nails put it out there as a Creative Commons, uh, like pay pay what you will uh, kind of thing back when that uh, was a thing a few years ago. Um, and then like a, a Swedish teenager um, turned it into a beat that Lil Nas X downloaded and paid for on the internet for 20 bucks. <laughs> and like, got, you know, an exclusive uh, license to use that. Uh, and then uh, the, the, the kid who, who got the beat, who, who, who did, you know, uh, who, who provided originally, was paid 20 bucks and also has a bunch of recognition now. But um, that's kind of a side fascinating uh, story on like the economics and the uh, technology behind music creation these days. But yeah, that little plunky string thing is at, uh, at the same time, like familiar, but alienating and interesting and really catches the ear and makes up for a lot of uh, it gives something to latch onto when the driving uh, uh, trap beat just kind of like plods along. So, yeah, lots lots to say about this song. It's interesting because that plunky thing is sort of the most country sounding aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's actually nine inch nails is really flipping my lid here. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no shortage of fascinating things on this. I don't know, Matt. Like, what's what? What? Uh, what? Have you taken your horse to the old town road? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of it is. Ah, it's interesting. Um, the. Uh, the string thing is kind of detuned, so it's not like um, I, I think of country music as being pretty, at least commercial country music, as being pretty harmonically straight ahead, right? Being a lot of major chords. Uh, and that bang, 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 you know, uh, it has more of a backwoods kind of vibe uh, to me than it has a, um, than it has a, uh, like a triumphalist country vibe. And there, there's definitely a lot of like triumphalism, right? In, um, uh, commercial country music and, and like just the, the expression of a, I don't know, a certain kind of offness that you can read as what downtroddenness or, you know, I don't know, being not totally, uh, not totally with it, not, not, totally on top of it uh, provides a sort of bridge that is to say that the offness the kind of detuned quality of the sound um of that of that string sample uh reads as well in a country song that's maybe a little bit more folky or a little bit more um uh you know a little bit less commercial uh as it does in uh as it does as kind of a hip hop sample that's that's meant to build a beat around i don't know what do you, i mean what do you think of that 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 uh 
the idea that the 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 link here is sort of taking country a little off center and then maybe taking the hip hop a little off center as well. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it just uh, to address something, you know, at the, at the risk of stating the obvious, right? The the downtroddenness of it is in certainly in the in the lyrics, um, but down being downtrodden in country music is uh, kind of a you know part and parcel with the, the, the thematic elements, right? You know, the old joke about playing a country music song backwards: get your truck and your girlfriend and your dog back. Um, so that that in itself is not new territory. We're talking mostly the sonic aspect of it, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and and there's uh, there's country and there's country, and this this feels like the country of the countries more than the country of the city. It's not uh, it's not country politan. It's not uh, I mean, who are who are the artists that that are associated with that? This does not have a a full rhinestone uh, cowboy hat. This has like an actual cowboy cowboy hat. Um, cowboy hat, uh, cowboy hat from Gucci. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's interesting because in the uh, in the remix, right? So the the original verse has a uh, little Nas X saying, "Riding on a tractor, lean all in my bladder, cheated on my baby. You can go and ask her. My life is a movie, bull riding in boobies, cowboy hat from Gucci, Wrangler on my booty." So he does have a fancy cowboy hat, but basically he's a very uh, a very country kind of person. And then uh, in the remix, when Billy Ray Cyrus gets a verse, he says, "Hat down, cross town, living like a rock star." spent a lot of money on my brand new guitar baby's got a habit diamond rings and fendi sports bras riding down rodeo in my maserati sports car so he's presenting himself as an urban sophisticate uh and i think that that's like that's kind of the um kind of the tension that if you if you just had that twanging strings and and those lyrics it would sound like somebody trying to you know, trying to sound like roots music. It's something that belongs on the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. But having the trap beat in there makes it sort of interesting because we don't we don't typically associate those kind of sounds with that kind of character or uh, the kind of person who's listening to the trap beat with riding a tractor. And then I think that it, it matters a lot that you know it's Billy Ray Cyrus of Achy Breaky Heart fame to say that like uh, that he has like. I mean, he's he's doing the Ariana Grande lyrics there, Diamond Rings, Fendi Sports Bras, Maseratis, uh, and that's not typically what we associate country music with either, because although, yeah, they're, you know, uh, Garth Brooks has a lot of money, right? But there is this posture in country of being a simple dirt farmer who can barely afford a banjo that stays in tune. Uh, and if you do have any money, then you spend it on, you spend it on a nudie suit, which is this sort of like abject display of how wealthy you are, but you don't have financial security still because somehow you had to pay for that thing. Uh, so, again, it's it's sociologically kind of interesting yeah the and the the way it's framed right like it's such a burden the the billy ray cyrus verse is like it's such a burden to be riding in an italian sports car down rodeo drive you know the the uh he wishes he could go back to that uh old town road you know what a yeah all this all this urban sophistication all this uh wealth all this material uh, all these material possessions all these good things uh that i have what a what a burden they are what a uh what a rough thing it is to be me right 
Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to still be riding on a horse? Yeah. Uh, right. Until, until I can't no more, which is an interesting way to put it. I want to go to that old town road and ride until I can't no more. What? Until my butt is too chapped to, from the saddle to like, and I can't, uh, you know, I can't bear to sit on it for one second longer. Not sure. Uh, not sure what that means or, or, you know, ride until I die, right. Until my, yeah. my body literally gives out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the butt is part of the body, right? <laughs> In the end, aren't all of our butts too chapped to continue? Okay, well, yeah, but that's, uh, I mean, <laughs> having your butt be tired is a necessary but not sufficient condition to, to the end of life. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it, yeah. that, uh, one of the things about this song that makes it I think it's part of like what makes it work is that it was apparently written at like 3 a.m. one night when uh, when the you know when little Nas X was feeling very dejected and kind of giving up on music a little bit. And it definitely feels to me like a first draft of a song. I feel like there's a lot in it that's great. I think that the the basic hook is a really nice country melody, but some of the some of the rhymes feel unfinished in a way that I I kind of appreciate it. But it, it stops me from wanting to say that it's like it's really quite a song that works for me that I would want to to listen to for pleasure a lot. So I am still a crotchety old man. I just want to make sure that we're all clear on that. Uh, I seem to be saying lots of comments complimentary things about the song but i'm definitely not cool enough to like it wholeheartedly uh, is, there, is there a certain novelty aspect to this song probably and it'll be really interesting to see like what his his follow-up for this mm, yeah uh yeah because it seems like this is you know for a lil nas x it seems like this is a departure right like it or or it has to be or maybe he's he's just the world's first country rapper um or at least the the first one who who makes it to number one on the billboard charts um the definitely uh, not the first this is a this is a novelty that's been been tried before you know there's uh, this whole subgenre called hip hop i believe is what it's yeah. called oh, like bubba go. sparks right was uh was was a thing for a while. Um, if you go to the, the Wikipedia page for Old Town Road, they, they list Young Thug apparently uh, did like did something which was kind of a novelty song for him, but which made a little bit of a, a splash. And this is maybe in a certain way uh, like influenced very strongly by that. That's interesting. I mean, you can also I mean, you can I... also say you can also say Kid Rock as an example of country rap. Uh, do we have to <laughs> do we have to consider him either as an example of rap or as an example of country? Yeah, uh, yeah Kid... it's like God, it's like God winning the podcast. Kid uh, Rock and uh, the podcast uh, is a related uh, uh, is a related thing. But then, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there is there is speaking on. Uh, there is speaking in country music, like some of the there's like sort of sprechzimmer and there's um, or sprechzang or what's the what, what's the appropriate German word to what I uh, to for what I want, Jordan. I think I think sprechzimmer is is what you're going for. Yeah. And then uh, uh, like even Johnny Cash does that, right? Sometimes um, will speak the lyrics of of songs. Uh, yeah, when the man comes around, that kind of thing. Yeah, exa- mm, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's you know the idea of uh, the idea of speaking and singing is interesting because it's not like it's it's um, 
it's actually related to the to the form of the musical which we talked about before right in in musicals uh you speak and speak and speak and speak until words fail you for whatever reason and and you have to sing you know when the emotion becomes too intense or when the you know the uh longing becomes too sublime or the you know what i mean the the sort of the experience exceeds uh the the power of mere words to to express it then you have to go into uh you have to go into song and the you know the orchestra swells etc 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 and it's it's interesting to think of that dichotomy having like a sort of quotidian sublime dichotomy between like verse and chorus and some of these things uh where the the verse is spoken or or may as well be spoken kind of chanted is how i describe a lot of the uh a lot of the pop music today that is not that is sung it's on pitch but it does it's sung without really a melody um and that- the thing about that, I mean, like, so th- there's a heritage to that in hip hop. And you can, if you go back to the the kind of rap that we grew up listening to and enjoying, often singers or, you know, singers are not singers, or rappers will have sort of two pitches that they come back to. So, you know, Chuck D will be going like, yes, the rhythm, the rebel, and you can kind of... Uh, find an extreme musicalized version of that in somebody like Nelly, where it's like, good gracious, ass is bodacious, da-da-da-ba-da-ba-da-da, and then he's actually singing. So I don't think actually that what sets apart these, like, this really popular style right now where you have people kind of chanting over uh, over R&B or, or trap beats, like, it's not actually the presence of the melody that that I find off-putting. It's the absence of interesting rhythm. Uh, and another big place where you're probably seeing this come from is like the the dance hall craze that uh, that took America by storm right around when all of us were graduating college. And somebody like Sean Paul, who again is somebody who would be rapping and singing at the same time all the time. And yet there was just I felt like there was so much more rhythmic sophistication. I, I really want to transition this to the the grumpy old man part of the podcast where we talk about how uh, the music that we grew up on actually was good and the music that the kids today listen to actually is bad yeah well let's i mean let's completely do it i I was going to talk about middle child as a maybe a more you know a more straight ahead kind of rap and and also in that compound triplet meter that you know that is so hot these days with the kids um but uh, I let's let's leave that as an exercise for the comments and and uh, go on and tell these kids to to get off our lawn. Well, I, I don't want to yuck your yum too much. I mean, is there anything anything more you want to say about that before I uh, before I vent my spleen? <laughs> no, that was. I mean, that was that was sort of mostly it. I sort of appreciated the flow. I thought that, like, in I, I think you're right on for saying that a lot of the chanting, um, a lot of the you know pop chanting uh, is ryth- rhythmically uninteresting, and and that's you know it's cardinal sin like it was a song that that my ears sort of perked up because i appreciated uh i appreciated the flow i appreciated the way the words lay on the um uh appreciated the way the words lay uh against the rhythm and i i even in that uh sort of triplet meter which has really been done a lot um it found found ways to to make it really interesting for me 
I, I also want to say, uh, if you if you were to go right on through to break up with your girlfriend, not just uh, not just taking fourteen into our top ten, but taking eleven through fourteen, that lets you get uh, "Please Me" by Cardi B and Bruno Mars into the mix, and that is a great song. Sure, I really th- 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 I enjoyed the heck out of that one. Um, but but Jordan. These kids today. Yes. It's so terrible, all of it. <laughs> tell, tell me why. I kind of already said it. I feel like there's, uh, you know, well, there's not enough rhythm to the rapping and there's not enough melody to the singing. And a lot of the production is great on a sound by sound basis, but not on a song by song basis. And having said all of that, I know that it's, you know, it's not worth the time I took to say it, because when you take the long view, you can see that roughly every generation, people grow up with a certain kind of music that they think is great and their parents think is garbage. And then they get old and they are the parents and they think that the kids' music is garbage and that their their music was the last music that was any good. And although I sincerely believe that a lot of the stuff I listen to here, you know, you, you jump back 10, 15 years and you look at what's in the top 10 and there's just so many more objectively good songs and i sincerely believe that but like what are the odds that i would be the one generation that was right about this versus every other generation that has thought that it was right about this i mean i would say that but i would put the emphasis differently jordan i would say what are the odds that we would be the one generation who's right about this versus every generation who thinks they're right about this you know i I say i say it with wonder rather than with uh you know if we're taking the long view on this, um, think way back to the, uh, the, the, the the peak rock article that I did like at the near genesis of overthinking it, right? Which uh, was a deliberately reductive exercise, but looked at the what the count of songs in the Rolling Stone top 500 list um, by year, and it peaked at some point, I think, in the 70s, and then tailed off. Uh, in the latter decades, I mean, there's like obvious reasons for that, right? You know, that the list is going to be skewed towards older songs and so on and so forth. But the point that I was trying to make in the article was that, like, you know, you have these um, the certain structures of the art form, um, things around rhythm, melody and harmony. And it's init- after its initial exploitation, similar to that of oil, you kind of you get all the good stuff out um, pretty rapidly. And then you have a lot of diminishing returns afterwards. Um, and, uh, that was written only partly tongue in cheek. I do think that there's quite a bit to that theory, that idea. Um, and that's why we're left with, um, innovations in other ways that aren't in the ways that we're used to. Right. Which is why the, uh, the bad guy song stood out to us most. Cause like, not because of, you know, rhythm, melody or harmony so much that are interesting, but like, just kind of like the nuanced sonic qualities about the duh and the way that the voice sounds. So I, I, I do like to come back to that idea every once in a while because I think there's something to it that like essentially all the good stuff is in bind out. Like essentially like Quincy Jones in the 80s, like just making all the slapman songs for Michael Jackson on Thriller. Like, and, you know, like he, he got the last good stuff out and it's been down yeah. ever since. It is a really fantastic overthinking it article. They used to have such good overthinking it articles back when we were younger. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now it's now it's all oh, about uh, uh, manga eyes or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one has stayed on the front page, hasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, no, nothing to push it down. <laughs> nothing to push it down onto page two. Um, now that we're mostly a podcast network, and and let's be honest, mostly a podcast. Yeah, some of the we should revisit some of the some of the old articles. Um, yeah, the. I, I guess everything, I mean, it it is, and there have been podcasts and some stuff recently about like how the music that you like, there there's a reason kind of as far as your neurological development is concerned, why uh, the music you like is from the time when you were about 14 to 17, you know, and because that's when you're... Uh, certain parts of your identity are being formed and you're kind of right at your, your brain is kind of crystallizing certain things in your development. And also socially, you're sort of just beginning to be, uh, an agent beyond, you know, a, a member of your family, your parents, child, or a member of a, you know, a small group, um, you're sort of chi- you're the the group you were kind of reared by and and l- looking at a broader uh social thing and defining yourself you know aligning yourself with or against various aspects of a broader culture rather than with or against various aspects of your family so that like th- there is a reason why i like you know those um I, I like those nineties, uh, women singer songwriters who are kind of my jam. Um, and, and, uh, nothing ever has been able to take the, the place of that though, though I, you know, like a lot of new music and listen to a fair bit of it and listen to a lot of other stuff. Um, more stuff that's, that's going, going on now. I mean, I guess like, Given that there are three musicians on the podcast, I'll I'll at least um, you know raise uh, I'll at least hoist up the straw man of like uh, you know it, it used to be back in the old days people used to play instruments. Back in the old days, there was a band and they would play in a room together, you know, and it wasn't all done on computers. Now, obviously, I know that's wrong and that the history of pop music is really a history of of technological innovation, multi-track recording being one of the you know, most salient in this, in this connection so that you could do it over and over until you got it, you got it right. And you could overdub people, um, onto, uh, you could overdub people onto a track, uh, even if they had not played with the, you know, the main rhythm section or, or something like that. So, so I I mean, I I get Brian Wilson, you were talking about, right? Like his instrument was the recording studio. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. I mean, it's, instrument really was the theremin uh, or, <laughs> or or maybe the the whole psychedelic realm was his yeah. his instrument but uh yeah uh the um I, and by the way i was talking about brian wilson earlier on the question of the week which is a feature available to members of overthinking it those uh kind souls who uh kick us back five bucks a month uh because they find something valuable in our podcast and in return we do some extra stuff for them and so they get a, a the question of the week on a lot of weeks in addition to the warm feeling you get from supporting a podcast you love if you're interested in becoming a member go to overthinking it.com slash join 
join, where you'll find this week's uh, question of the week, uh, in which we all reveal our favorite pop songs. And, and spoiler alert, mine has something to do with Brian Wilson. Um, any, uh, any last old man gripes before we close? Oh, I mean, I just want to, I want to open the floor to a counter argument to the old man gripe. If we want to define it in terms of melody, I think that it's fair to say that most of these songs are not as good melodically as the songs that, uh, that we came up with. Um, Although another one that we ought to, that that I want to defend a little bit is "Talk" by Khaled, which I feel like suffers from like from the neighborhood that it's in. If you listen to it in this playlist, it'll feel a lot very disposable. If you listen to it just on its own, I think that it's not one of these kind of like uh, one one of these uh, dance tracks that are that are in now. It's more of like a slow jam and actually does have a good melody, but. Uh, by and large, that's not what these songs are about. So therefore, they must be about something else. And I'm curious what that else might be. Like, what? I- where is the innovation? What is the thing that people find compelling about Post Malone? I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked Sunflower better than I liked Wow, right? Uh, yeah. Because it had more, I don't know, I felt like there was kind of more more texture there. Um, almost shading. I agreed. It. Yeah. <laughs> I agreed past tense. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean what what people have to hook into. And and I wonder if it doesn't have to do with how the music is used, right? Like if you have um I I guess the only one uh, only overthinker who has a, a teenage aged child is Blinky. But um, what I'm given to understand that kids these days do is like watch a uh, uh, watch a thing on the TV, you know, type a paper on the laptop, watch YouTube videos on the iPad, play a game on the iPhone, and like you know play uh, uh, play a song through the. Um, through the the uh, Bluetooth speaker, all at the same time, like this this uh, barrage of light and sound, you know, and of kind of attention grabbing things. The way in in a way that I would find um, so anxiety provoking that would probably make me curl up into a fetal position and like you know crawl into a corner of the room, crawl into like a a, a quiet dark place and like just do deep breathing until my heart rate slowed. But I mean. You know, I I am an old man, or or I am an aspiring old man, and that uh, 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 that 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 pattern of digital media consumption is you know something along the lines of of the new normal, and that there's a kind of digital maximalism um, that people are are engaging with. That's, okay, and- okay. So that said, sorry. That, let me let me cash out this this whole point. Uh, it won't take much longer. That said, like the 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 bird song of the rainforest, like the bird song of any uh, you know ecological region, you know where every bird or every animal takes up a. Sp- specific register of frequencies, you know, and that you don't, you don't kind of get out of your lane 
as a bird. I, I wonder if there isn't something to the idea of constraining the, the range, right, that a melody or a song or something like that takes up so that it kind of stays in its lane in an environment of digital maximalism and occupies a certain... Um, occupies a certain uh a certain register uh and doesn't you know uh, elbow into anyone else's territory that was my that, that's it so you're saying that if they were to write good music it would be distracting yeah because you'd want to or pay just, attention you'd want to pay the, attention to it the, the qualities of it will all just be lost in the in the shuffle right like a soaring whitney houston power ballad all, all that flourish and amazing vocal technique um would just be drowned out by uh, and no one would pay attention to it because they're too busy watching the the fortnite youtube video uh, uh the I, so on the one hand i'm very sympathetic to the idea that you can't separate music from its context and that you need to appreciate it in the context in which it is meant to be consumed however like it's probably the case that uh, most of the enjoyment that people got out of Station to Station era David Bowie was from the cocaine. (laughs) And that they were not appreciating very many of the sonic details of the Station to Station era David Bowie. And yet, take the cocaine away, you're left with David Bowie. (laughs) I'm not sure that that, that, like we have something in this playlist that uh, that is going to stand a similar test of time. Or actually, let me caveat that. I'm sure that there is something that will stand that test of time, and I'm going to be confused about why it did that. Yep. I mean, Hmm. that's the, that's the thing. All right. If you, uh, want to, uh, set us straight about these kids today and their, their music, uh, please tell us, tell us what we missed or tell us your feelings about any of the songs we discussed or the other songs. Uh, there's going to be a Spotify playlist in the show notes for this episode. So you can listen to what we listened to, uh, exactly as we listened to it to make this, um, to make this episode, uh, though I, I recommend you not uh, you not go for a jog and listen to it. So there's uh, uh, there's the Overthinking Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much, uh, Mark and uh, Jordan, for podcasting with me. Uh, Pete will be back. Uh, he's he's uh, dancing the night away to some actual good music. Um, uh, he's away this weekend at a wedding and and is uh, uh, I'm sure uh, just the star of the dance floor. Uh, you know, especially if, if they, uh, if they play some, some of that music he likes that doesn't trick you. No, <laughs> Pete likes great stuff. Um, so, uh, Hey, we'll be back next week with more overthinking and podcasts. Till then visit us on the web at overthinking.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve it. Especially this stuff. I mean, my God. 